Welcome to another Sonic Talk, Sonic Talk number 295 here uh, on Wednesday the, what is it, it's the 12th of December, approaching Christmas rapidly. It's got to that point in the month when I realise, oh my god, I haven't bought any Christmas presents or done anything yet, and it's only down to the uh, pre-organisation of my other half that is going to save me from all sorts of social embarrassment and curmudgeonly Grinch-like behaviour as we approach the holiday period. But I am looking forward to it. We get quite a long break this time, so there will be uh, a lack of shows during that week, unless I could find someone to interview and slip it in there somewhere. But it does mean we'll get a couple in before NAM because NAM's a bit later this year. It's starting on the 24th of January. Um, so it gives a little bit more time to uh, prepare and hopefully will not ruin my Christmas like it has done for the last 10 years as things get more and more complicated and more important that we don't cock them up. <laughs> so I'll have a bit more time to prepare afterwards. That's the, that's the thing. Anyway, I want to say hello to my guest. Uh, say hello first to the uh, people in the chat room, sonicstate.com forward slash live, where you can find um, a live stream. This one, in fact. Make sure I am actually recording it this week. And also um, uh, video, no, not video, uh, chat room as well. Uh, I'm actually dressed here in an, an enormously thick amount of layers because it's quite cold here in, in Bath. Um, and I think it might be cold where, where my first guest is as well. My first guest being uh, Mr. Dave Spears, uh, G4 Software. As I was saying, looks a bit like one of the characters from Das Boot. So in a sort of a very obscure electronic music connection, because um, wasn't one of the uh, Kraftwerk members the person who did the music for Das Boot? <laughs> is that right? Oh, was he? Yeah, I think so. I forget. Alarm! Alarm! Um, I didn't know that. Is someone that's coming in? Cool. Is there someone entering the room? Excellent. So that's, anyway... That's Darren. Ah, Okay. Cool. Uh, so, Dave, you're you're not in your usual place. You have a you have a light behind you in what looks like a large mixing desk, and a flap above your head. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ah, Mr. Darren. Hello. How are you? I haven't got. I can't put your lower third up. It's gone. It's passed. The chaps. There's Mr. Darren Price, who we uh, we spoke about. We spoke to about the Olympics thing, the underworld, uh, the underworld involvement of Olympics. How are you, Darren? Are you well? He can't I'm hear very you. Very well, thank you. Oh, I can. can hear you very faintly out of Dave's <laughs> headphones. I'm very small and petite here. I'm in the corner, kind of very small. And uh... anyway, nice to see you. Are you busy? Always busy. Ah, uh, well, I I hope your Christmas preparations are going as well as they can. You got some gigs up? You do any gigs at Christmas? Uh, we haven't got any underworld gigs. We, there was a hint of an underworld gig in Bali on New Year's Eve, but Red Bull pulled out of the sponsorship because they spent too much money on the space jump. Oh, uh, um, yeah. But our next underworld gig is in Mexico. Nice. Uh, so you get I the weather. A couple of DJ gigs. Oh, cool. Sorry? You get the weather then. I know. Does... Weather and burritos. What more <laughs> can you ask? Tequila. <laughs> But no, I've got a couple of just DJ gigs over the Christmas period, but um, Underworld starts in March. Ah, okay. Oh, well, that plenty to do. That's quite, that's, that's coming up quite soon, really, in terms of tour time, isn't it, I guess? Yes. <laughs> so you are busy, indeed. Well, nice to talk to you. Thank, thank you, you for, thank you for, for popping I, in and letting us use your facility. 
<laughs> to broadcast. That's okay. I hope, hope the farmyard internet connection works okay. I did top it out with diesel this morning, <laughs> so maybe you might not get disconnected. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right, Jack. Cheers. Oh, and an unexpected groovy treat there from uh, Mr. Darren Price. Um, in fact, you will remember him. We did a, a brilliant uh, sort of post-Olympic gig. I think we had the first technical rundown of what was going on at the Olympics. So um, there we go. So that's where Dave is at the moment, uh, wearing his polo neck. So I'm guessing um, the diesel is all going on the internet connection and not the heating. Yeah, not the heating. Yeah. <laughs> So, Dave, um, how's your week been? Have you got any um, any thrilling news for us? Anything um, you care to share before we, um, we we crack on and introduce Mark? I think I might have come out of the other side of my Kafkaesque BT internet broadband hell. I think I have. Only Which to, is ironic, really. Only to I find, decided to come up here today. And <laughs> only to find yourself in another one. Yes. Anyway, Dave, thanks for joining yeah. us. Um, I will now uh, head over to Mark Tinley. Mr. Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. How are you, Hello. Mark? Mark I'm uh, lower third, then. Your lower third's just there. I can't see your feed, can I, sir? No, oh, I'm sorry about I that. can only see me. Um, hello. That's disconcerting, actually, because I can't... I'm... Yes, whatever. <laughs> I, could, <laughs> I can't fix it. <laughs> You'll have to... You're stuck with it, I'm afraid. It's like a kind of Christmas treat. Uh, nice to see you, Mark. And, Mark, um, you've been working on a Christmas single, and perhaps we can talk about that a bit later. I did. I made one last Friday. <laughs> and it should be in the iTunes Music Store today, actually. Wow, how thrilling. Things these days. But although I haven't seen it show up, though it's supposed to have done. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe well, we'll... everybody and their cat is releasing Christmas singles at the moment. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I think you've probably left yours till, till you know, kind of uh, late. So you might have actually just got out of the way of all the rubbish that comes out. You know, you've actually got there, got in there a bit later than people would uh, yeah. normally release for Christmas. Unless, well, of course, I, you're... I, I did say to Gina one... On Friday afternoon, I just kind of wandered past, and I said, "I suppose I, I suppose I should really finish my Christmas song." And she said, "Oh, for God's sake, you say that every year, and you never get round to doing it, and you're just going to be going on about it for a whole year." And I went, "Right, that's it. I'm doing it." <laughs> and I went down into the basement for about, well, a couple of hours, and then we had to go to the school for a play. <laughs> so that was your cut-off point. Another couple of hours, then I had to make the tea. And then Excellent. another couple of hours, and then it was kind of done at that point. So, um, and then I just went. Yeah, I could spend another. Excellent. Well, look, I, I think we should t- leave it there because we don't want to. We don't want to. We want to leave it as a tease rather than a, a kind of full disclo- disclosure at this oh. point. Oh well, that's all top. So we will. Um, right. So I'm, let's let's start with um, a first topic. I think we might have uh, Gaz a little bit later on, and um, we'll. But in the meantime, we'll start with um, a video. This is uh, something called Air Harp that has been programmed by a chap called um, Adam Summers uh, uh, as a result of weekend hacking session with Leap Motion, which is the thing that you can um, put in front of your computer and it, it tracks the motion of multiple points. And this is it doing its thing. This is a kind of... Uh, uh, what's the name of that feedback synthesis? Um, anyway, it's a harp, basically, based on one of those. And it gets more and more complicated. And actually, while it's kind of quite, you know, it, it demonstrates the the uh, the way it could work. I likened it to playing a polyphonic theremin because it doesn't look all that easy to use. I'm sure it could be improved in some in some ways, you know, with interface. Uh, 
design coming on as it does for this is effectively a touch screen that you don't touch um which is kind of cosa but um musical applications it's one of the first times i've seen one for it um I, i'm supposing um do you think it can work or is it going to be too is it too abstract or do you need because there's nothing to resist against apart from fresh air so it's quite hard to be precise isn't it dave what do you think i think this is quite interesting does jordan rudes endorse it I, I think it's pre-endorsement. Okay, it's not there yet. But he might. Okay. He might. I'm sure he's something he would uh, yeah, like no, to try. No, no. I thought it was quite interesting. I, I, uh, yeah, I like the idea of this. I do like the idea of this. And actually, I like that. And, and the sounds had that kind of interesting... I forget what the name of the synthesis is. I forget what the name of that synthesis is called, but we did we did some um, lots of synthesizers use very short feedback loops, isn't it? Very short delays, tuned delays with envelopes, so you can get that kind of ping and pluck. And there's uh, there's an engine on it. Um, car plus strong thank you chat room that is genius that's ed in the ah, chat okay. room yes, yes. gives us the uh the, the giant turbo brain jumps in with the uh, answer there uh, but do you think um, but i don't i was thinking about this and looking at it and i was just thinking well how can it possibly work because really there's nothing to resist against you know that's what makes the theremin so difficult because it's almost like um it's like doing that sort of martial art where you don't have any it's all about movement and no actual there's nothing to hold or resist against so it's you have to be so precise to get it right at least with the interface that that is i mean could it possibly it could be developed perhaps so that there was a bit more uh, room for maneuver perhaps but they were predetermined steps weren't they you know each of the yeah they were on that one yeah i think that's what i find very difficult on the theremin is that you know there is no there's not even a visual representation it's like playing a fretless bass pitch (laughs) Yeah, but worse because again, you've got no, you know, there's nothing physical to kind of react against. At least with a fretless, you can kind of, you get a vague approximation, but this idea of kind of playing there, whereas that, it had this, it looked a bit like Pong years ago, didn't it? Yes. It It did a bit. I don't know. I, I, I think it would be quite fun to try. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Mark, I remember you actually were saying, um, when we looked at the Leap Motion, you got quite excited about it. I think, if I remember correctly, I may be misrepresenting you. Perhaps, um, perhaps I'm not. But do, do you think there's no, going to be? I am quite excited. I am quite excited about it. Um, I mean, I actually think you know Apple would be. I think didn't I send an email about this last week? You know, we because we had the topic last week about Apple and what they could possibly do to sort of go the next step in computing. Oh, we were talking about logic, weren't we? Yeah, yeah that's so right. So what Apple could do with the next step in computing would be to take a device like this and literally build it into a computer or a laptop. So to go and license this technology, but to, like, make it work. Because before we had the iPhone, a long time before we had the iPhone, I was using touchpad technology on a Korg Trinity and, you know, a couple of other bits and pieces, like a Windows machine we had somewhere with a touchscreen on it. So... The, the touchpad on the iPhone wasn't new, but it's what Apple did with it that made it useful to people. So if Apple wanted to take a leap in kind of usability with computers and for everybody to like do that wow thing again, I mean, if they took something like this and then made it actually work. So, so where I'm going with that as well is like having watched the video, what just watching, I mean, unless the sync's out on the video, but watching... The person interacting with that, it does look like there's a certain amount of latency between what they're doing with their fingers and what's happening with the sound. 
And I just think that that's going to be more of a problem than whether or not... Because I've got D-beam on the V-synth, and you do get used to where the space is, and you use your own muscle tension. So you, you, you've got two sets of muscles in your arms, haven't you? You've got one that pulls it down, one that pulls it up. So you kind of balance that tension out, and then it's a little bit like doing a martial art where you're playing around in the D-beam. Yeah. So I don't think that's the problem. I think latency is going to be the problem. I think if the thing responds any slower than a couple of milliseconds, I mean, really a couple of milliseconds, because you've probably got a couple of milliseconds in your sound card, and then um, the monitor's visual feedback probably got a few milliseconds in it. So it needs to be absolutely like tight as hell, absolute instant response to anything that you do. Otherwise, it's just going to be, you know, it's just going to be a toy, isn't it? And it's not going to yeah. be master masterable by anyone. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But um, it's just interesting to see that it was a, it, it seemed it was quite a popular news item, and I thought people must I, be. I mean, I want one. I said to Gina, I want one for Christmas, and then I looked at when it was being released and went, okay, I'll have one for my fiftieth birthday. Fine, <laughs> whatever. So I'm not, I'm not disparaging it, and I think it could be a very interesting thing. But I just, I think they need to make sure that latency things. Spot on. Well, and also, I, I think we're so programmed, as, as Fail Muso and uh, Redwalks are saying, you know, it's mechanical response that, um, in the chat room, that is, if I just uh, throw that up there. Oh, no, that's not it at all. It's that, isn't it? Um, the mechanical response is what we're used to. I mean, as individuals, we're not used to this. It's all sort of, to be able to do all of this, that's fine for gestural stuff, but for things where we're getting some kind of feedback, it's very difficult to... Uh, it's you know I don't see how you could be accurate unless we're talking about rather than triggering things we're talking about manipulating things which would probably be a different thing sort of using it more like a chaos pad or an XY pad with a Z in it as well you know that's probably where it's going to really do rather than real time instrument playing I can't you know well a massive chaos pad if it worked like a massive chaos pad that would be brilliant <laughs> uh, that's where I think it's likely to to kind of really shine. I mean, out. I mean, the D-beam works well for That's that, but the D-beam can do notes as well. So you can tr get it to trigger notes, and you can go up and down, and you can find scales, and you can learn where things are. But it, the, the difference between the D-beam and the theremin is that the D-beam remains calibrated, whereas on the theremin, all you've got to do is knock that little knob, and the whole thing's <laughs> It's in a completely space, unfamiliar, yeah. So. Yeah, it all becomes very unfamiliar. Sorry, um, 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 Dave, you were just going to come in there. Were you? That's why I like the hack and continuum. Yes, because well, there's feedback. No, no, that's why I love that hack and continuum controller because you know you have you, you've, it's it's pressure sensitive. It's very responsive, mm. and and makes and it makes it a very uh, indeed makes it into and it's playable like an instrument. Um, I mean, it's very difficult to play, but at least you've got the added help of that it gives you some sort of feedback you get some muscle muscle memory or whatever you know like that that's the thing anyway that was um i thought it was interesting it's you can order these things now actually uh, leapmotion.com i think is where it goes and i think they're talking about shipping in uh march 2013 somewhere around then you know early early 2013 so you can pre-order it now in fact uh, mike Gregg, who was on last week said that he had pre-ordered one um, because it could be useful in his uh, music technology, one of the modules he teaches. So it could be, um, you know, it could be something that, that you know, it, it's, it seems like it's really going to uh, um, inspire your kind of, your classic Max programming type of person initially, you know, until we get things that just incorporate the whole thing. Um, anyway, that's the way it's probably going to happen. I think we just lost Dave, so I'm going to go to, um, perhaps we'll go to another uh, topic first. Um, 
have we done one of these before? I don't know where Dave is, but his bandwidth <laughs> is, is perhaps not as... Maybe, actually, Mark, maybe what we should do is do um, the, a little bit about your Christmas single for a bit, because okay, yeah, sure. I think uh, while there's nobody else here, it seems to make good use of your time. <laughs> so, let's, well, I can talk about it a lot. I'm sure you can. Right, so what we're going to do is I'm going to go to here and I'm going to play the single. I have a play button. And stand by for some Christmas action. This is Mark's Christmas single. Which is incredibly catchy, I have to say, Mark. I'm not going to play it all now. I'm going to save some of it for some play out later. Um, I mean, obviously, that's not perhaps your um, immediate, what people might immediately think of as uh, Christmas fodder, um, lyrically. But uh, I'm guessing there's a point to that anyway, isn't there, right? Well, the point to it is that um, most of the time we spend, as human beings, we spend all our time trying to avoid having negative emotions and sort of brushing them under the carpet. And the problem with that is that they never get talked about or dealt with and then of course the the problem with that is that that comes out in kind of well not very nice yeah, way. Yeah I mean Christmas time is, is traditionally can be uh, you know it can be actually quite a bleak time it's one of the times well, when you can feel I your think, bluest I suppose as well isn't it? I think because the expectation of people is that how dare you be unhappy so if you're going to be unhappy in my space bugger off <laughs> And then, uh, you know, put bluntly. And and so people end up sort of on their own feeling bad and then uh, they've got no one to turn to because nobody wants to know about the unhappiness and that's when, the, you know, people go and uh, take their lives. And so, I mean, it's, it's more, this is more like saying, well, I mean, as a culture, we don't really celebrate death either. So this is more about saying, look, it is inevitable, the absolute, there's one fundamental truth about being human and that is that we are going to die. Nothing else is known for definite, but death is definitely known for definite for all human beings. So um, why don't we talk about that? Well, that's true. An an avoidance. And when you avoid things, then if somebody's got a problem in that area, it makes it difficult for them to sort it out because they're already being taught to avoid it. So it's really to bring awareness of that subject and to make it, you know, palatable, more palatable. I it's suppose. interesting. It's got a very, uh, a very um, um, stark juxtaposition, if I may say so, of the sort of jolly, twinkly stuff and the, you know, I quite like that. I mean, uh, ju- taking it back to technical for a while, I mean, it's getting quite a lot of plays, isn't it, anyway? But ta- and so, you yeah. know, it's, it, it seems yeah, to be no. getting interest, so that's fantastic. What, um, what, was that a logic thing? Did you kind of take your kind of quick approach? Because you like to do things quite quickly, don't you, with them? Um, I had that idea in my head earlier in the year, so I actually had the chorus line, um, and I tried various approaches, and I did do a version of it that sounded a bit like Oasis, but the problem for me was writing the verse lyrics, because every time I tried to 
sit down and write the verse lyric. It just didn't really fit, you know, my <laughs> my personal demeanour, which isn't always very happy, I right. have to say. Um, so um, uh, I just started all over again, and I started all over again with a child's toy. So uh, hang on a minute. So it's not music technology at all. It all starts with this thing. Ah, yes, the, uh, the, the child's... Oh, yes, I know. The xylophone. Well, Excellent. That's, that's like the main line. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, and then I had to... I sampled this and tried to work out what key it was in. And then uh, copied this into the computer and then started working out an, a whole new version of the song. So basically, I scrapped the, the, the original idea completely and started all over again. Because the first one sounded more like Oasis, I think. Right. Did and you? One, uh, the one thing I wanted to. That, there's that drum fill at the beginning. They sounded. Where did those drums come from? Because they they sound re- very. They sound <laughs> real rather than you know. They don't sound like a kind of cl- classic. Okay, believe like. it or not, I was trying to make a contact work on my new computer, and it kept falling over, and I just got pissed off with it. So I just went, okay, Apple Loops. What's in Apple Loops? And I typed in. Um, something like slow rock or something it's a loop in apple loops it's one of the rock <laughs> loops and i just like grabbed all the fills and then cut them up a little bit and just played around with them so i, I there were literally this particular kit it's called progressive rock i think the loop and and this particular kit had a handful of fills and then i just i basically just cut it up and moved it around and made it sound as if a drummer was sort of playing it. I mean, Dave might disagree. But, no, it's great. Know, to great. the best of my ability. <laughs> excellent fun, though. I mean, I mean, I mean that's, that sounds really condescending. Actually. I don't mean excellent fun. I mean, I like the way that you've played with the, the sort of happiness of the instrumentation and the, you know, the kind of, frankly, fairly dark lyrics. But, but you know, I'm, I'm, I, we've, well, I don't know if everybody's already been there, but I've, all, I've, I've been there at Christmas at times. You know, you just think, oh, bloody hell. Yeah. Not yeah. again. I don't know. Dave, enjoy you enjoy the old Christmas single? This one this one gonna be um heading for the top of the charts for you. Actually, I have to say I was I was online when you were playing that and I hadn't heard it before, but I do like that sentiment and I do agree with Mark completely about this whole, you know, this pursuit of happiness is completely absurd at all times. And it's almost like if anyone's unhappy they're considered kind of weird or strange, whereas we have a massive range of emotions. And it's good to experience them all. And, you know, Louise's dad died around Christmas time several years ago, so it's always a slightly poignant moment for reflection and all the rest of it. So, yes, I would probably rank this among my favourite Christmas songs. In fact, Tara Bush and I had this conversation yesterday about what would be the worst. I walked out of Tesco's because they were playing that incessant Rod Stewart, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And I just thought, I'm not tolerating this. So I put my basket down and I left the old commercial. I like down. it. Bo- boycott and venues for, for poor Christmas song choice. I like the idea of that. Yeah, and she said she has exactly the same whenever Stevie Nicks comes on the radio. And then it sparked off this great thing. I was like, well, what about it? And she said, Bob Dylan as well. I was like, what about a Bob Dylan duet with uh, Rod Stewart? doing a Christmas single, and the whole thing just descended into mirth. <laughs> but it was quite an interesting conversation because I think a lot, an awful lot of people 
you know, the Pogues Christmas and Kirsty McColl's Christmas Yeah, that's very dark, isn't it? Track. Yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of people gravitate to that because, it, you know, it just kind of is the polar opposite of what you're expected to like. And I don't know, I find it very interesting, the whole, the whole subject. It is. I, I mean, I suspect that Rod Stewart has actually got something to flog at the moment because he's been on X Factor twice. And pretty much everything going. Yeah, yeah. He was on X Factor doing duetting with. I was just, you know, what, what, what are you doing on? How X- old is his current wife? Uh, well, yeah. Do you think it's Alan? No, that's a, that's it a very might, cruel thing. Be, you might need to pay somebody. somebody. Oh, hang on a minute. Oh, they're probably yeah, all the prenups, though, haven't they? Yeah, I'm sure they have. But, uh, but yes. Anyway, so, um, so what? What do you? What are your hopes for this single, Mark? When's it? Where do you? Where do you it's going to get to? I don't know what you. I mean, I imagine at Christmas you need if to. If everybody flog. bought it next, if everybody bought it next week, then it potentially could be number one, couldn't it? I mean, it's just a case of getting the right people to go. Oh, that's quite good. I'll share that with people, and uh, and I'll buy it, and that all needs to happen starting from Monday, going through to Sunday of next week. So just. A- I've actually got some. I've got a very very enthusiastic man, who does. Um, I'd, I think he does uh, video editing for Top Gear. It might not be the same guy. Um, but I've got a very enthusiastic actor who's gathered up a whole team of actors who are completely inspired by the song and are out uh, roaming the countryside, probably not now because it's dark, but they're making a video for me. Wow. So by the weekend, I will have something which will go on YouTube, which is going to have poignant acting which relates to the lyric and uh, it's got some guy called, I can't remember the guy's name. He sent me pictures of the actors, but they're sort of, you know, semi-known actors. Well, that could be good. You could have, so if it goes viral, all you need is, what, exactly. about three or four million people to buy it. Yeah. Well, if you, if you do I mean, get that happening. Yeah, but, uh, well, what about this? The th- uh, as a child, you know, like growing up, I thought, oh, yeah, I could get in the charts. I could get in the British pop charts and have a Christmas number one. But if you think about the way iTunes is structured, it's in 52 countries. So if one of those countries bought enough copies of it, then it could go to number one in one of those countries. But there is a possibility of being number one in America. It's not inconceivable, is it? I guess not. In There's a digital um... age. It doesn't matter on, you know, your demographic could be anywhere. And according to the... Um, the little application in uh, SoundCloud, the majority of people who've played and listened to it have been in America. So, so you just um, need to go far. I just, uh, Chevy Trailer has posted in the chat room uh, three stages of life. You believe in Father Christmas. Number two, you don't believe in Father Christmas. Number three, you are Father Christmas. <laughs> uh, number four, you kill Father Christmas. Excellent. I'm not quite sure where the kill part comes in, but yeah, I like the first three. <laughs> I'm going to be Father Christmas this year. But I do draw the line of, I don't know if this has happened to you, Dave, of being anywhere near a primary school of, of that sort of age where you are. So I don't suppose you fancy being Father Christmas at the Christmas fate. I have the best ever Father Christmas story. A, a, friend, of, a friend of mine had decided... Without having an affair, he decided that he was going to run off with his best friend's wife. And his best friend found out at, 
exactly on exactly the same day that my friend was Father Christmas in at the local primary school. Whereupon <laughs> he walked in in front of the children and just punched him out. And I just think that's utterly fantastic. This madman coming in, his children just traumatised for the rest of their life because wow. someone's walked in and just decked Father Christmas. Uh, please try this at home, kids. Oh wow! I um when I was I used to go to New York um when I was working in CD-ROM stuff. We were signed to Voyager and um, we used to go there at around about Christmas time and I met a bloke um, who was a Pulitzer winning uh, um, video editor or journalist I forget now it's been a long time since I ever saw him and he was uh, he every year he was a Santa at Macy's was one of the jo- one of his jobs what he used to do he used to be a santa claus at macy's and uh, he had some amazing stories i can't remember any of them actually i just thought i'd mention it that there is i knew somebody who was a santa at macy's this is not very music technology i must admit so i'm wondering whether or not we should uh... Okay, uh, let me just let me just pull it back to music technology oh, thanks mark so last night i sat up till the wee hours of the morning because uh, a friend of mine said oh could i remix it and i thought yeah okay so i made some stems for him and then i thought Actually, if he could remix it, maybe any, anybody could remix it. So I sat up to the wee hours in the morning acidizing the whole thing. And so I'm on the website. That's right. Sometimes suicide slash make dash your dash own remix. Yes. Uh, and you can get the stems there. So I mean, I really did that with the Sonic State listeners in mind because I know um, we're talking to a whole load of music technology guys who love to play around with things. So and this is my Christmas present. Oh, well, that's very kind, Mark. You know, go and play around with it. And if you come up with something exciting, please, please send it to me because I'd love to hear everybody else's take on it. There we go. So there is the challenge, the remix, the Chris Mark's Christmas song. So you want to go to Sometimes Suicide, that's two S's in the middle, dot com, and you'll be able to find the link for Make yeah. Your Own uh, I'm going to be assuming the really, website's working. really yeah. contrary, and I'll turn it into a happy song. Yes. Well, no, you can't. What, you rewrite okay. it? <laughs> It's quite, it's quite jolly at the, uh, musically at the moment. Replace the words with... I'm interested to hear anybody Let's all be merry and bright. Okay. All right. I'm going to... Um, I should probably say thanks to our sponsors at this point. I'm going to press the button and see if the ad will come up, and then we can uh, come back with some more music technology topics. So um, it's frozen on a picture of me, but I'm sure here here we are. Here's my sponsors. This is uh, obviously Yamaha. We want to say thank you for their sponsorship of the show. Uh, And this is their world of applications. They have over 20 musical applications in the iOS store. You could just go and check them out on the iTunes application. We've got uh, Perform and Play with Keyboard Arp and Drum Pad, which has now been updated to actually have an internal synthesizer in it as well you could do like basic arrangements and mixing and what have you you can uh, access your faders and xy pad which will give you uh, just output midi control to a device of your choice and they've also got edit and control of, uh, of their various synthesizers so you can edit and control uh, various parameters of your motif motif xf mox s90x s70xs motif xs and rack xs uh, you can also edit the multi-edit so you can mix and eq set the effects and again you've got xy pad and control of the various parameters of all the setups uh, performance edit uh, lots and lots of them for just gives you a larger screen real estate to actually get in and start tweaking real time with your Yamaha synthesizer. Uh, we've also got the setlist organizer, which we reviewed in Sonic Touch, uh, which is a great app. 
Uh, send out MIDI program changes to your various gear with uh, all sorts of uh, notes and photographs and what have you to uh, help you remember how to play the songs. Cloud audio recorder and a lot more. I mean, there, I think there have actually been more since this uh, fantastic graphic was made. So go to the iTunes App Store and check out uh, the Yamaha World of Apps. And once again, we thank them for their sponsorship of the show. Right. Uh, now, uh, the next one is... Have I got a video for this? Uh, maybe we should do... Do you want to do um, the um, terrible studio happenings or the Abbey Road uh, Red? Anybody got any thoughts on that? Terrible studio happenings. I right. like terrible stories. Okay, right. Well, this, this came out because uh, I subscribe to the rather fabulous... Um, this is uh, Reddit. Um, it's one of the Reddit things, which is... Uh, oh, it seems to have not actually shown. Let me press that button again and see if it comes back. Hello? Hello? talking one two three let me see if i can get that back there it is this is reddit this is called uh we are the music makers it's a reddit uh, thing and there's, there's some really good stuff in there actually I, i'm often finding topics for sonic talk in here so thanks to the people if they post and this is um a post by um somebody called christopher's and he said i was just putting the finishing touches to a mix for a record for a band and as i'm listening through the pro tools made an awful noise and froze up now neither of my motu 89 6 hds are recognized by the computer so either they're both broken or both the firewire cables I am simultaneously died, or both the Firewire card and the built-in Firewire board on the motherboard died at the same time. Uh, I dug out an Mbox 2 that came with Pro Tools, kicking off an almighty electrical buzz in the speakers, and it won't play any noise back. Uh, by installing the drivers for this, my iLock now doesn't work, and thus Pro Tools won't load. The band are, of course, due in half an hour to hear the mixes. Cheer me up by telling me about your worst day in the studio. Uh, there is actually uh, well, so let's. I'll come back to the edit of that because there it looks like there's a postscript. So, uh, Dave, you were keen on this. Um, I mean, terrible things. I've, I've just spent uh, um, uh, quite a while on YouTube trying to find videos of terrible things happening into, in recording studios, and I honestly cannot find anything. <laughs> so, Dave, perhaps you can tell me. Uh, well, I think my uh, RME Fireface going down live on the podcast was pretty good. Yes, that was. Totally superseded by uh, the fact that you spotted it. Uh, well, it um, happened twice, didn't it? Hasn't that happened uh, more than once? Uh, no, just uh, one. Oh, just the one. Hell did I, yeah. I think my fa- my favourite, and it's not gear going wrong, it's just people going wrong, was we had these two guys, I had a studio in the kind of late 80s, early 90s, and these two guys came in who wanted us to build a track for them and whatnot, based around these kind of lyrics, which was essentially all about shagging. And they were two sort of burly bodybuilder blokes that wore dungarees and no shirts underneath so I was already a little bit suspicious and uh, it was quite entertaining because the song had sort of evolved, we'd done the music and they seemed to be happy and then when it came to the lyrics they just started arguing constantly and this one guy had this idea for a particular refrain and uh, it wasn't really working at all and my partner, the guy who was kind of running the desk, said, oh, you know, perhaps things have moved on a little bit and maybe we'll kind of reassess it and whatnot. And he got about as far as kind of reassess it, where the other one looked at the other one and just punched him full bore in the face. And there was this massive brawl in the studio, whereupon one of them got up off of the floor, I forget which one it was, and went outside and just started kicking the crap out of every single door panel in this guy's car. Wow. And I, unbelievably, I was sort of, I found it all very, very, very funny. There was definitely some kind of homoerotic issues going on underneath all of this uh, bravado. And by the time he'd finished, the car was utterly, utterly trashed. Wow. 
and yet <clears> they were best of mates. Mm, well, you know, uh, some people have very tempestuous affairs of the heart and of uh, the friendship. Uh, there's another one in this Reddit thing. This, this, because people have been posting stuff. Incidentally, the 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 it's all good news. It was a firewire port that had broken in the original post. But this one here, I'll, I'll probably see this. This is by somebody called Boras. Uh, I was working in a private studio in Leeds in the UK in the na- in the nineties. Quite happily, halfway through a session, when the door buzzer went and we had the studio to, to ourselves, the owner wasn't there. It was around nine thirty p.m. So he opened the door. And to see it was, and it was a couple of uh, sort of yardy type, sort of Jamaican gangster kind of dudes stormed in the studio. Said they were as they weren't the uh, as we weren't the studio, and we had nothing to worry about. But said, get get the f out of our way, and started smashing up the Harrison desk with sledgehammers. And um, apparently, oh. this was because they'd done a session there, done a track there, hadn't paid their bill, and uh, the the guy wouldn't give them the masters, which is fair enough. And this is what they were kind of. Um, saying if you don't give us the masters this is what happens even though we're not paying ouch that's pretty hard. i don't think i can top anything like that mark how are you doing on uh, studio terrible studio anecdote th- happenings anecdotes oh, oh god i mean i just think that anything that involved alcohol or drugs is probably got to be a good place to start so it's usually people <laughs> People breaking down in like really weird ways or things just going off on really strange tangents. Although, I mean, I want, yeah, no, no, that might, I can't. (laughs) You have to be careful. You can protect the uh, the, uh, the litigious, if you like. Uh, While you think. A lot of of my studio exploits, of course, were in a private house in Warren Cucurulo's house working with Duran with the. with a you know huge mixing desk in his front room, where he knocked two rooms into one, and that was sort of the studio. Um, I mean, I think the worst thing that I've ever done to anybody else is like you know when you know thinking about this act, the, the where the topic started with the digital noise coming out of the speakers and the guy not being able to get his rig up and running. I've had it where I've been running um, a a logic rig I think it was and something went horribly wrong with the digital audio interface and the whole thing froze and everyone had headphones on. Yeah. and Simon Le Bon likes to listen to his headphones unbelievably loud because he picked he puts himself he puts himself in his mix like if you know it would be the equivalent of like 140 decibels so he's really unbelievably loud and then the music's quiet because he can't hear himself properly in his own, because right. of the way, I guess, his physical makeup or whatever. But then, of course, what that means is that the headphone amp is cranked and the output of the door is absolutely cranked. So when that thing went off, everyone looked a little bit surprised apart from him. It was like... <laughs> Yeah. Um, Sorry, I've just caused you to make it. No, that's that. Oh, yeah, that's because that's got to hurt. I mean, because that, that's the thing. Sorry, there I'll should just, be, there should you be protection. That I've said that because you're going to have to cut that out. Well, I might do. I won't cut out the video. I'll just, that's just the but way he, it goes. He just, like, the headphones went flying across the room and then he was walking around rubbing, with his fingers in his ears for like, oh, so I felt so guilty. But. Well, there's nothing you can do about that kind I, of thing. I, is I, yeah, and, <laughs> and that's one of the downsides of using digital. I mean, I've had, I've got a, a, a focus right. Uh, Pro DSP24 at the moment, and it's got this thing called VRM on it. It's the thing that Gaz recommends. Yeah. So, but I've discovered that under Mountain Lion, there's a hell of a bug in DR in VRM, which is like whenever you try to change any of the speaker settings or anything, it results in like 
full amplitude white noise, uh, <laughs> digital noise. Because I I did the same thing to myself the other day, but not as loud as Simon would Ouch. have had headphones. And um, it is a downside of running a digital audio workstation. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way monitor, of having yeah, maybe it can that, go wrong. Yeah, nastily. need protection in there some way. Maybe there's a way to get headphone amps that have got like a kind of a way of detecting, you know, naught dB for any period of time and then just go boom and pull it down and you can just protect yourself. I don't know. I haven't got anything as... Uh, feedback, destroy it. <clears throat> I've had that when I've been doing live sound where just something's gone off and I've been ringing out the monitors and I've had like, you know, a full 2K at about 1.6 and I had to go to the loo I just felt physically sick I just I just had to stop I got really you know really blue and I, I, I don't remember anything about the gig that night it was terrible but the worst thing I did is uh, when we first started out um, we uh, when we did Tom's Dino all the time back we were invited to go over to New York to work in Suzanne's private apartment and work on a new track and we did this uh, she did a song called Rusted Pipe which we did a remix of and we went over and she wanted us to mix it there and it was all very complicated because we got there and you couldn't find an Atari in New York for love nor money and uh, and the guy who was producing it was going well can't you just use a Mac I said I have no idea how to use a Mac you know or anything else you know this is what I use and that's the only thing I really know what I'm doing so it's sort of ages to track the stuff down and then blah blah and we and it was all a bit embarrassing sort of technically and then um we were having supper and they went into to Suzanne's kitchen and you know we're having and I said oh, I'll just rewind the tape and I put and I rewound it and got it wrong and then I put I threaded it back on and I forgot you know those those metal guards that come up in front of the heads oh, like, yeah. on the Atari machines I put yeah. the tape around it rather than behind it and then rewound the tape and it went zzz, all the way through fortunately fortunately there was no damage done but it could have been right over right then and there and i was i was sweating for a while because we i was there eating my lunch and it's like oh god we're gonna have to go back in there and have a listen i mean i hope it's all right am i gonna and i thought i can't say anything i feel i just felt so ashamed i was only about 19 (laughs) yeah was there a lot of brown dust everywhere? No, no. Fortunately, oh, there wasn't. But easy it was. Mistake. It was. Yeah. Easy God. Well, I'm mistake. not a trained. Uh, in fact, funnily enough, Dave. Sorry. Carry on. What did you say? Fully enough, and then you stopped. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, you were saying about the yard. Oh, the the yardies thing. Uh, it was was quite entertaining because it's kind of exactly what happened to this studio where this incident happened. We used to build tracks again, you know, white label stuff for clubs and whatnot. So we do the music. Various managers bring people in to uh, get their protege to sing over it. And this one guy, uh, we built this track, and it was it was sounded very good. And he came in and he was super happy with the music, and he paid X amount of money for it. And then the singer came in, and this guy didn't understand anything about light and shade. Basically, the VU meters just went every time this guy opened his mouth. And it was a good song. It was quite an interesting song. So we just suggested to this guy, you know, it might be a good point to the manager. It might be a point to take your artist away and just give get him a few lessons, teach him about light and shade and stuff like that, and then bring him back. Because at the minute, he's got this amazingly powerful voice, but we're kind of fighting it, and there, there's no dynamics in there other than just mentally full on. And uh, he did that, and I don't know what happened. I went off on a tour and whatnot, and when I came back, there were all sorts of death threats coming in uh, <laughs> to my partner, who's... Uh, who's uh, who had the studio in, the, in his back garden, and I kind of explained to him, you know, so maybe I should go and kind of talk to this guy. And he was like, no, 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 you know, he was West Indian, this guy was African. Oh, no, 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 this is a black thing. So I kind of stayed completely out of the thing, and eventually it culminated 
culminated in the manager paying somebody to walk into the studio and take goods to the value of whatever he thought he was owed, which translated to the thugs in the end that take everything in the studio. So uh, all of a sudden I got this phone call one morning and it was just like G16 gone, soundtracks desk gone, uh, Akai samplers gone. I think the only thing that was left was uh, my Simmons brain, which of course was worthless during that period. And now it's worth a fortune. I bumped into the guy later on and said... uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So he did me a favour. Oh, I tell you what, a no, Simmons but, uh, SDS five, a, a Simmons yeah. SDS five brain showed up killing on killing a studio. Simmons SDS five brain showed up on eBay, hundred and fifty quid. Buy it now. Uh, in really? my, in my, yeah, and I went to try and get it, and it was um, it was taken off. Obviously, they left a naught off. <laughs> really dis. Oh, Neil, so close, so close. Um, uh, Pierre says in the chat room, it's actually International Soundcheck Day. This is the last time we're going to have a 12th, the 12th, the 12th in our lifetime. So it's a one, two, one, two, one, two, Soundcheck Day. Very good gag there, International Soundcheck Day. Well, I think that might end up having to be the, it might have to be the show title, really, because it, it's what I say every time I turn the mic on here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, great fun. <clears throat> right, um... Gosh, time's flying. You know, that used to drive me as nuts on tour as, like, Donald Fagan. Well, people say one, two, 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 two. two, I don't know. Well, everybody has their own thing. I think it's different in America, perhaps. I don't know what it is they say in America. No, they say one, two, I think. And maybe we're an English guy doing the monitors. Well, my daughter watches iCarly. And they say Mary had a little lamb as well. Why do they say that? I have no idea. There's no consonants in it. There's not enough consonants. No, it's, it's rubbish. A stupid thing to say. So that means all their monitors had too much top end on them. Yeah, probably. God, <laughs> ghastly. Um, there was something else I was going to mention. Where am I? Uh, oh, ah, uh, oh, it's gone. It's completely gone. That's it. My my memory's um, com- shot. Oh, that's it. The base bot clone. That's what I wanted to play because this this was awesome, and I I think we should do this one because it's absolutely uh, fab. I think if yeah, here we go. This, yeah, first impressions, this is a TB303. I mean, it bloody looks like one, completely. I mean, it, it sounds to all intents and purposes like one. I mean, I, I have never owned one, but... I'm not going to go on. That's that is the uh, what's it called? It's the Base Bot TT clone. I've got a page here, which is actually uh, I use the Synthtopia one because, frankly, it's got the better kind of collection of data than the uh, than this. And that's it. It's basically uh, Base Bot analog monophonic synth clone with a twist. Uh, I'm not sure what the twist is at the moment. I haven't read enough about it. But, but how the hell did they get away? I mean, you 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 alluded to this, Mark. How the hell did they get away with making oh. some making that? I mean, it's basically exactly the same. It's got the same font. It's got the same knob. I mean, I, I mean, it must have cost a fortune just to make the case, unless they just found a load of broken three hundred threes. And I don't know. Uh, well, I I mean, I got an email from a company that I had emailed about the XOXOXOX box or something. <laughs> I can't remember XOXBOX yeah. or something, isn't it? And they said, uh, you emailed us a while ago asking us about one of these. We're now making this thing. Do you want to buy one? And I thought, oh, that looks quite interesting. And then uh, I read all about it, scrolled to the bottom of the page, saw the picture of it. I was like, whoa, no, can't possibly, like, well, you know, they can't, they can't have gone that close to it. But 
it makes me think that it must be made in China because Honda monkey bikes and all the Chinese clones of them seem to be, you know, the Chinese kind of like to clone anything, don't they? And they have different copyright laws over there, so they can get away with certain doing certain things that we can't do here. Right. So, so it's very likely that it's been manufactured by somebody in China. But you can't help thinking that Roland really missed the trick here, because if they reissued the 303, they'd absolutely clean up. Well, you think, I mean, because this is only, what is it, it's a 500 and something quid, isn't it? Which seems... I mean, considering you're going to be paying, what would you be paying? Fifteen hundred, two grand for a three hundred three at the for a moment. Second hand one, yeah. yeah. I sold mine for fifty quid. <laughs> there was also I didn't get the picture up, but there was a, there was that classic picture of Oscar Peterson, who was a Yamaha, as a Roland and Dorsey playing, sitting at one of those brown Yamaha pianos with a three hundred three and a and a, and a uh, was it a six hundred six side by side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Dave, did I did I read in an email that you'd actually bought one? Of these, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing yeah. obviously hasn't arrived because the stock's not due in. To, well, it's due in tomorrow, in fact. Friday, Friday, Friday I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I just. Are you getting thought, one on Friday? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be shipped on Friday. Uh, yeah, I just I saw it and I was. There are several reasons why I bought this. First of all, I'd quite like to bring it up here because Darren, uh, you know, uses three hundred three. I quite like to do an AB comparison. Yeah. Uh, just out of interest. Uh, secondly, for all the uh, previously talked about reasons, I kind of thought, hmm, yeah, maybe we should get one of these because who knows what might happen. Uh, there's It'll a great quote in the chat room. There's a great quote in the oh. chat room, which I'm trying to find now, actually, uh, which was by, um, oh, I'll have to come back to it. But uh, It's likely to disappear off the market in, you know, as soon as they've got the first batch out. Roland are probably going to sue them and then they won't make any more and you'll have something incredibly rare on your hands, I should imagine. That would be the most likely thing. You think? Yeah, there's uh, a yeah. certain amount of thinking along those lines. And I mean, they can't possibly get away with that. I mean, even, you know, even if it is made in China, if they import it here, then it has to, surely it has to conform to a certain copyright laws and things and i don't know really um uh, let me see this is it midi life crisis great handle by the way three or three is like david bowie everyone thinks they're awesome but no one actually listens to them <laughs> oh, i like them <laughs> it's a great I line i don't care it's a brilliant line whatever you whatever you may say um Do you know what i think they've missed though they've missed the trick with this thing i'm gonna go into one of my yeah come on let's have it let us have it it's it's not 1981 or 1982 or whenever they invented this bloody thing anymore. It's like 2012 and that there's absolutely no reason where if you're going to start building something like that why you can't put a USB port on the back of it in the same way that your Raspberry Pi, you plug your USB port into that and it goes, oh hello there's a video I'll just upload it to the server. If you put a USB port on this with WAV files on it and the circuitry in there could go, oh, hello, there's a sample. I'll just make that one of the 12 choosable samples on the front panel. Why do I have to stick with uh, an analog saw and an analog square when I could have analog saw, analog square, and any one of 12 or you know, 10, 5, whatever samples that it chooses automatically from my USB stick? And then I can start putting my own waveforms in it. And then if I can 303 manipulate with the 303 sequencer, other waveforms like my cat meowing or something, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, then then that just 
creates a whole new edge to it and takes it to a different place. Yeah, point. I suppose so. I mean, Dave, you must have read a little bit about it. I mean, do you think they've missed a trick? I mean, I don't know. Is it virtual analogue or is it actually analogue analogue? No, it purports to be analogue. Uh, it's got a MIDI interface as opposed to the old CV gate. Uh, that was an attraction. But yeah, I, I, you know, I just kind of saw it and went... I haven't bought anything in 10 days. I better go and buy something. <laughs> that looks like a good idea. Uh, I'm just trying to see what else there is. About there. The Mirage, no, the Ensonic I mean, Mirage was a virtually analogue sampler, so you could still do it. I would Sorry, like a, I would like to have a Mirage again. I remember um, I, I had to drive to Ipswich or something to get a Mirage. But, um, and I remember because I was working at a, a club in Bath and I had to be back in time for soundcheck. And I drove all the way back. I got this thing. I bought it. It came in a flight case. I was really excited. This is completely off topic. And I came all the way back and I got it back to the, to, to the, to the house and I like, opened it up. And I had to go because the band had arrived, and I didn't get a chance to switch on. I just never remember. I remember that and that feeling of anticipation for buying a, like a five-year-old sampler in a yeah. flight case that I then had to wait until after I'd finished work about one in the morning to come back and actually switch it on for the first time and try and figure out what the hell to do with that Massos operating system. But do you, I mean the the three hundred three? Yeah, I mean it, it seems it seems very reasonably priced. I mean, and it looks like it's probably built right. I mean. Would you? I mean, will you use it though, Dave? Really, or do you think it's just going to be a plaything? Hello. Hi. I have no idea until I get it in front of me and try it, and assess it from that. Uh, I have no idea, really, until I, you know, until I get it in front of me. Um, I suppose, yeah. I, I you just. Got me? Yeah, I have. I, th- I can't imagine that that um, that I can't imagine that that's all kind of you know working somebody in step chat, form. I don't know. Yeah, sorry, somebody in the chat room said the three hundred three filter really doesn't sound great on anything other than a saw or a square. And the reason why I think that it it does, and I might be wrong, is because I had this rack mount three hundred three thing that had an audio input to the filter, and I could put samples through it. And and going to your Mirage. <clears throat> thinking the mirage had like curtis filter chips in it didn't it and it had like resonance and frequency an analog filter chip yeah and when you take that 8-bit crunchy sample and you stick that through an analog filter that does sound really good because if you've got like that edgy crunchiness it kind of that yeah. almost works in the same way that an analog uh an analog oscillator works in that it's not pure it's like a bit noisy and crunchy around the edges and then it starts to sound i don't know it just well and I, also you uh, had to have you had to have the filter on the mirage because there was so much aliasing yeah, noise yeah <laughs> but there's something about getting that alias noising in underneath yeah, the filter yeah, that yeah. creates something of a sound that you can't get from anything else although yeah. although in a weird way, actually, the Mellotron yeah, has same that same thing. With the, when, when you've got the tape going and you've got a pure string recorded on a tape and you've got a certain amount of hiss flying past in that thing, there's something about that that does the same kind of thing. And the Emacs, yes, definitely. Mm. Well, it's an interesting thought. Well, I wish I'm re- really interested to see what it's like or, or, or hear from you what it's like. I mean, I personally have no interest in owning a 303. Um, unless, of course, I found one at a car boot sale for a, a couple of quid and then could sell it for two grand. I mean, that would obviously be <laughs> very... But, you know, I, I, it's never been... I, I remember um, 
there were some guys <laughs> in London that I used to go and visit, and they had the 303, the, and they used to do just sort of like that cheap, it was cheap acid, you know, kind of music with those two, and that would be it, you know, it was pretty much all they used to do. But um, I don't know, it feels a bit late, but I don't, I don't th- do you think it's expensive, Dave? It doesn't seem it to me, but do you think it's a lot? I suppose it, it I, I suppose it can compare. No, 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 I mean, that's one, that's certainly one of the reasons why, why I kind of thought, hey, hang on a minute, let's just give it a try, you know? I mean, everybody's, we've had it forever to a certain degree, you know, oh, it's never going to be as good as the real thing and it's never going to be this. Well, it could be different. It could actually sit in a mix quite well. It could work, you know, within a particular style of music. If you're, if you, you know, I'm always being asked, to, oh, can you contribute to this in this style or whatnot? Well, if I get that kind of call, it might be fun, stick a delay on, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I could have a little bit of fun with this. And I thought for that price it was worthy of trying to have a bit of fun. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, it, almost as much as the uh, sledge that we've got over there. You see that streak of yellow at the back at the back there? That's the uh, Studio Logic sledge that I just published the review of. Um, that's only about 100, nearly 200 quid more expensive. And it's about, how many times? It's about 10 times the size. And eight times the polyphony. <laughs> But it doesn't sound like a 303 in any way, shape, or form. Uh, nor could it, I would think. But, With uh, a bit of, I mean, the thing about the 303 is that kind of happy accidents thing. The fact that you can switch the thing on and it can make weird kind of things. And then you can, when you sync it up, if it doesn't sync up right, it does some weird kind of things. And you get something burbling along in as a bass line and a tune that you just wouldn't think of as a human. So... Um, why am I saying that? Oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, I've got lots of 303 plugins, and I can emulate a 303 really accurately in a computer. But the thing that I can't emulate, and even with like Rebirth, which is supposed to emulate that random thing, or uh, Fruity Loops, is that whole random slides and accents is what makes the 303 really special. Right, uh, random in the yeah, sense that they happen in yeah, the wrong place. Generating those patterns. Yeah, if it just self-generates patterns and you start playing them, it's and and nobody's managed to emulate that in any uh, meaningful way, or not in the same way. I mean, take the batteries out of the 303 and throw it in a wardrobe for a week and then take it back out again, put the batteries back in it, and, and it, it's a musician. It has its own musical contribution. I, I would, and somebody said in the chat room... Yeah, the, the XOX, XOX box, Xbox yeah, has it. it. But I would have to hear it to believe whether it was going to... And maybe I've got some romantic notion that the 303 was better than it was, but... Well, uh, there's an intro. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to do step offset on uh, any of that sequence stuff. You just go, okay, start at three. Start, you know, just so you could go, no, offset it by... Oh, sure. I mean, that would be easy to do, but... Um, Okay, then. Well, um, well, maybe we'll go to the Abbey Road Red plugs next, because I've got a little video that I quite like to play, just because it was... um, it was something we shot. My name's Liam Watson, and we're at Torag Studios in London, Hackney. London. Essex. This is uh, something that uh, Simon Power Here shot for us. Went up to see... We've got the main desk, which is this an is the Rode EMI Red series console. R-E-D-D, standing for Record Engineering Development Department. These desks were made for Abbey Road from sometime in the late 50s and used up in exclusively used up until about 69 I think when they 
gradually phased them out for the later TG series desks. We're very lucky to have uh, one of these desks because they are incredibly rare. Um, I think there's only about four or five accounted for. There's one here, there's one in Abbey Road, and there's one in Lenny Kravitz's studio, and there's one in Mark Knopfler's studio. They're the I'm not going to go on, but that's, I mean, that's, that's rare, isn't it? That's about as rare as a rare thing can be, apart from being extinct. But uh, you can now buy it, you'll be pleased to know, in plug-in form from Waves. Abbey Road, uh, in conjunction with Abbey Road, they've... Uh, uh, produce the red and it's got all the kind of channel distortion emulation and the EQs and stuff. In fact, look, there is a picture of Lenny Kravitz there um, with his red. It it looks nice uh, and um, it's actually for wave stuff. It seems quite reasonably priced actually. It's about, you can get it for one nine nine at the moment. Um, reduced from three four nine. It's in native. Uh, I'm just sort of curious about this because I'd imagine something like that. I mean that the Torag Studio is just as a bit of background. That's where. Um, the White Stripes Elephant was recorded, and that's, the, I think it's kind of the building, you know, it's one of the fundamental sort of starting points of that sort of Jack White sound. I don't know what he uses these days, but I mean, anything he does, I'm all over. I just think he's got such a strong ear for vintage nonsense, or just any kind of sound that is kind of interesting. Um, do you think that, I mean, these sort of emulations are getting better, aren't they? I mean, we've, we've spoken before with uh, when PJ was on and uh, Rich about some of the stuff that just seemed, it really does seem to kind of be getting there. And I'm sure this is, this is going to work. Have you, ever, have you ever seen the red at EMI, Dave? Because I know you've been to Abbey Road and uh, done some remastering. You didn't do it through the red, did you, by any chance? No, no. Uh, we, I can't even remember what we used. It was an EMI desk of sorts. Uh, no, I have no experience with it. I mean, they could... I'm sure it's great before I get a little bit cantankerous, but I mean, they could tell me it was the only mixing desk on the moon and I've got no way of disproving anything. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm sorry, Nick, I'm going to have to go in a couple of minutes. There are, there's a queue of people wanting what's left of the broadband. Ah, okay. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Dave. Um, and I hope that you yeah, thank uh, you. your submarine um, su surfaces again sometime, somewhere soon before Christmas, uh, reuniting oh you with the bosom of your family. <laughs> well, it's a bit choppy at the moment. Dive, dive, dive! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm sorry Gaz didn't join us, but he's obviously otherwise engaged. That's so, all right, uh, no problem. I'm guessing that um, if you fire like a few uh, synth boxes and maybe some wood panels from some of the synth up to the surface, then the, the, the pursuing uh, people will realize, will, will think that you've been torpedoed and they'll probably leave you alone. But anyway, Dave, Dave Spears, yeah, G4 yeah. Software, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, uh, we will be having a show next week, but I suspect that'll be the last one. I don't know, I'll have to check. I, can't, wow. I haven't really looked at the dates. There might be another one before Christmas, who knows? Depends if anyone can make it or be bothered. Rich uh, will not be able to make it for a couple of weeks. Well, until next year, because he's off on the road and has got stuff to do. But anyway, Dave, you can now relinquish your grip on the bandwidth and the, uh, they, can, they can have it back. But uh, thanks very Thank much. Thank you very much. All right, see you soon. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Bye. Um, so, Mark, it's over to you. <laughs> oh, God. What have I got to talk about? Uh, well, this, the, uh, the, the idea of the red star. Have you, uh, do you think there's... You know, I mean, there's this whole concept of these uh, of desks that have this sort of no, you know, notional magical quality. I mean, is it really the case, or is it just about the distortion in most cases? Um, hmm. I mean, I have to say, okay, so uh, I've got more plugins than I know what to do with, 
and for somebody to bring a, another set of plugins that are going to do something else and make me sound slightly different to something else it just doesn't there's no way of finding out how this would work in my workflow or can yeah. you download a 10-day trial or you probably can yeah it's a native but then that'll probably screw my eye lock up and everything will go horribly wrong and then <laughs> i'll spend the rest of my life trying to make it all work again oh um, come now <laughs> um i mean i i've i've got the waves uh ir thing which is a uh, which learns impulse responses and then i've got this other thing called q clone which is actually quite clever which learns eqs of things and i've got i had a yamaha rec i'm going off on a slight tangent but i'll come back i've got a yamaha rex 50 and it's got this distortion sound in it that i really like so i tried modeling the distortion sound using q clone and a couple of other bits and pieces, and I modelled the reverb on the patch that I use, and I actually managed to make it sound uh, very much like the Yamaha Rex 50. Uh -huh. And I thought, well, this is a piece of gear which I'd never want to get rid of because it has this particular signature sound that I've used for guitar things in the past, so, you know, I should probably keep that. But when I was able to, and I thought I'd never, I've tried, you know, tweaking around with EQs and trying to make something that sounded like it, but when I did it with Q-Clone, I got very, very close. So I imagine if they're getting better and better at modeling things, I mean, even if they were to just take Q-Clone and, and model, uh, uh, sorry, and snapshot the EQ. Oh, what, from the red? The signal yeah. path yeah. of the red, and then we could make it sound like it was going through a red channel, then that start, you know, having all of these things available to us starts to sound really, it's, it's an interesting... Yeah, because I mean, you're very much you're very much into that idea of, of sort of sampling signal paths, aren't you? And sort of sounds rather, and and it's like yeah. that sort of. I've never really got into that, but it sounds like an interesting idea. It's a, it's well, what did I have? I had a a valve preamp thing that I was using for a bit, and I quite liked one of the sounds on that. And I was, I'm sort of, I'm downsizing at the moment. I got, I, I expand my setup and downsize. I've bought a Mac Mini, so I'm shrinking down to like seven by seven inches square <laughs> but so i had this uh, uh this valve uh, eq thing that i was using in my signal path that i really liked the sound of and i thought oh, i wonder if i can q clone that so i q cloned it and it sounds exactly the same to my ears and just so i'm thinking well i've got one instance of q clone running in my computer which now replaces that entire piece of gear and then I've got another thing, which is an ADA speaker simulator. I Q-cloned that, and that's now been replaced. And they sound exactly the same, and that's just cloning the EQ. So if they've cloned the distortion, or they've emulated the way the distortion works in this desk, and they've done it accurately, and, and then the thing is, you've got to have several sets of ears on that, because I might think that this sounds the same, and it might sound nothing like it, because I might just have got used to right. listening listening for a difference in one area of the sound when you've got to listen for a difference across the whole broad range of it and then in the mix it might sound different so i've gone round and round in circles now and i'm going to say that well it's and how long you how hard you drive it those sort of things i mean there's going to be a yeah. factor isn't it so and you know how the q works on the eq and how the gain's going to interact with the q all that stuff but if you can genuinely get the sound of these things and it's not just another Kind of, if it's genuinely, if they've genu genuinely modelled a piece of gear and it's accurate and it works, then I can see it as being useful. 
And now to conclude that, I'm going to say that I bought the Abbey Road drummer in contact. Right. And that's got some, that's got some modelling of Abbey Road style mixing desk in it, I think. I can't remember which desk it is off the top of my head. It's got like a big baker light. Oh, well, that's probably this, actually. I mean, this, this is the only thing that I've got. Again, you know, it's all well and good having all of this stuff. But really, you haven't got that, have you? You haven't got the image. You've not got the, the kind of, you can't see this, but this sort of science, this, this large kind of <laughs> slightly pale green plate steel thing with these weird looking faders and what have you just don't get any of that and i and i suspect you know that's part of the joy of a lot of this stuff isn't it is being able to interact with it and just the oh, the, the way it makes it but the way it makes you feel when you're sitting in front of it all that sort of thing i mean i guess it doesn't really matter when it comes down to it but um but i mean yeah. if i want to make a record that sounds like david bowie because bowie recorded lots of his stuff at abbey road with ken scott and i put those drums up and i just stick and I play pretty much any pattern on there, it starts to sound like a Bowie record before I've even started doing anything. And because that's one of the... Ken Scott is one of the producers that I admire, and I like the way he's placed instruments within the sound field. Right, so you... It just makes my job easier. I'm just, like, going, like, oh, I really want to sound like that record I liked when I was, like, 10 years old. And I just go, like, oh, well, that should be there, and that should be there, and that should be there. And then I think, oh, it's starting to sound like a record now. I mean, whether or not that's going to translate to an 18 or a 20-year-old who's making music who has a completely different idea of what now it's starting to sound like a record sounds like. But in the same way, and I I don't know if I should admit to this, but I will, and that is that whenever I put reverbs on things, I can never get the reverb to sound right until I put a Lexicon 480 or a 244 on it or an AMS. That's that's, just, is that just the way that you're used to hearing it? Because the those way are, my ears are used to hearing things. Anything else just sounds like, oh, no, that doesn't sound quite right. But neither, none, of, none of those reverbs are anywhere close to accurate. In fact, they're possibly, you know, they're, they're totally digital sounding yeah. and not like a real space at all. Well, that's all. true. I mean, I've often, as we've, we've, we've often discussed, you know, the UAD uh, plate, the EMT 240, or is it one, the one that looks like a Dalek with that, that is a brilliant yeah. sounding reverb and it just makes everything sound fantastic. Um, yeah. If, you know, all the same, but that's, yeah, uh, there's something about it. I don't know, maybe there, you know, maybe there is something in this, um, but at the price, a couple of hundred bucks, considering the cost of um, uh, Waves plugins generally, it's, it seems like quite a reasonable, you know, reasonable fee. And you can get it, I think they're going to be two, was it, three, four, nine, uh, and uh, they are now. Let me see. They're in the store. I think we can we can have a look at it. Uh, oh no! I mean, never... Maybe I'll download it. But because I work so sporadically now, uh, you're not going to. But you're not. If, gonna... I, if I download it and I put it in my machine for ten days, the chances are that I might not even listen to it at all. And yeah. I want to have something that I can have to hand to pull in and see how it works. Like with the I've got the IK multimedia. Uh, vintage processing thing so i've got their it's meant to be a fairchild and a pull tech. oh yeah yeah they're re- and now i've got used to them they're really good yeah but it takes more than 10 days to get used to something i think yeah so well, you, unless you're unless you're working on it constantly yeah better. i got you Okay, well, I think we're probably uh, at the end, at the zenith of our... Well, that's, the, that's not the, quite the thing. That's, we're, we're at the end of uh, the show, I think it's fair to say. Um, 
Uh, I'm pleased that uh, we managed to get Dave in. It's a shame we didn't get Gaz as well, but thank you very much for being part of the team, Mark. And uh, I, I wish you the very, very best well. of luck with your Christmas single. I'm going to play you players out with that, if that's all right by you. And Somebody just... Life Crisis has said Mono Spring Reverb is the new black, and I will admit to using Mono Spring Reverb on my voice on my Christmas single. Well, there we do go. That, so there you Where go. Monos, uh, I missed it. I'm of the moment. <laughs> yeah, the zeitgeist is with you. Well, with that, I will, yeah. I will play you out. I think I'll pick it up from where it left off. And uh, I want to say thank you very much to uh, Mark. Oh, no, I keep switching to you there, but we've only got one of you. Mark Tinley, thank you very much for joining us. My request, my request to absolutely everybody is that they just share it with as many people as possible. Yeah, just okay. So that, um, so that the, you know, it gets out there in one way, one way or another. I mean... If it's if it's possible for me to have a Christmas number one, I think that might be quite amusing. That would be absolutely awesome. I don't, we'd never be able to afford you as a de- as a guest again, though, Mark. You'd be oh, off. I don't know because I'm planning to give most of the money to Samaritans anyway. So <laughs> well, still... you'll be so busy, <laughs> right? I'm yeah. going to play it out. So, th- Mark, thank you very very much once again, and uh, we shall uh, darken the screen and we'll gradually fade away to nothingness. Thank you very much, Mark. I need to talk it through. It seems like life is getting old. They're ringing Christmas bells. Their understanding is too much. I know. Sometimes I find Christmas time makes me feel.